Hello and welcome into LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is I Want to Be A, the place to find out exactly what it takes to succeed in any given profession. In this episode, we're looking at a career that will pretty much always be necessary due to the certainty of death. Today, I want to be a funeral director, and we have Jayzik Innes on the show. Jayzik is the funeral director for Carr Funeral Home in Alabama. He's also an instructor in the Mortuary Science Program at Jefferson State College. Jayzik, how are you doing today? Doing great, Tim. How are you? I'm doing very well. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, when I mentioned this idea to some colleagues, uh, some heads turned, some eyes kind of got a little bit wider. What attracted you to this career, first of all? You know, what attracted me to this career was helping people. There are a lot of different professions where people get that opportunity, where it's nursing, EMS, whatever it might be. But funeral service is very distinctive because we help a person at the most vulnerable time. We help a person when they're grieving and when they're hurting. And that appealed to me and to many people in this profession as well. With that, how did you really start to get into the field? I mean, obviously, you mentioned your thoughts there as far as helping people. But what was sort of the path into the field for you? For me personally, I had three family members die within a year when I was a teenager. And so I was in a funeral home pretty regularly for that year. And curiosity, intrigue, what does a funeral director do? What's the process? And for me, that was a calling to say, this is what I wanted to do. And I think you'll find many, many people who get into our profession have had a similar experience Mm -hmm. or possibly a family member who's in the profession as well. Well, you mentioned it there, and I'm sure some people listening right now are already thinking, what exactly do you do? Unless, of course, they have had that experience. And even then, they might not see all the behind the scenes type of things. Can you walk us through what would be maybe a typical day if you are working in a funeral home and how that would kind of go about? I mean, just wherever you want to go with it, we can obviously chat about different aspects to it. Sure. I think the key that we really need to look at as well is that the funeral profession is regulated by the states. Even though there's federal law, the states pretty much regulate funeral service. So each state is going to be a little different as far as requirements and things like that. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, it really depends on what your job is in the funeral home, what city you're in, what geographic area of the country you're in, the business itself. There's so many different avenues that a person can go into. For example, if you're out in Phoenix or out in the West, very high cremation market, 70, 80%, your day is going to be much different than Birmingham, Alabama, where 70 to 80% are embalmed, buried, and so forth. So if you're in two different parts of the country, your day may be very different. But with that being said, pretty much all still focuses around, for a funeral director, probably 70 to 80% of our time is actually spent with the living. Hmm. Only about 15 to 20% of our time is with the deceased Sure, because we, we might make that removal where they die, maybe the embalming process if the family wants that or the cremation, whatever it might be. But the majority of our time is meeting with the family to determine their wishes and wants, meeting with clergy or celebrants, meeting with the general public, coordinating services with people in the town and community cemeteries. That's the overwhelming majority of our time. Now, for someone who's just getting into the profession, you're going to shadow a licensed director, whether that be called an apprenticeship or internship for a period of time that's dependent upon your state. And you're going to shadow them in in pretty much all the aspects that they do. You're going to be possibly going with them to remove the deceased from the place of death. You possibly could be with them for the embalming or cremation. Mm -hmm. You're going to be 
hopefully with them to make funeral arrangements. And you're going to be doing a lot of menial tasks as well. Unfortunately, some funeral homes don't have clerical and cleaning staff. So you may be cleaning bathrooms, washing cars, cutting the lawn. There's just so many different facets. And that's what I think brings people to this profession. You know, you mentioned a couple of things there that I'm sure the listeners would kind of make a face at or be curious about. Are there aspects to this where there's an emotional toll that can happen? Is there a a shock value of, you know, again, this is a deceased individual. And how do you describe the emotional aspects to it? I would tell you that for a a funeral director, and we're using the term funeral director, again, for some states, funeral director means funeral director and embalmer. They require you to be both. Right. Other states, you can be a funeral director or an embalmer. But let's just use that generically. I would tell you that our job is really not as physical, although there is a big component to that. You have to be able to lift and, you know, protect your back and things like that. But our job really is emotionally charged. Mm -hmm. You're going to see people die from every cause and manner of death possible. Death is indiscriminate to age or race or gender or anything like that. So infants, children, teenagers, uh, on to senior adults. So yes, that, that is difficult. And Although you never harden your heart to it because you want to still care for people, you do over time have to separate your emotions during that period so that you don't become so involved you become ineffective in your profession. Let's move away a little bit from that aspect and maybe we'll touch on some more of that as we move forward. I want to ask about some of the skills that you see are necessary to have that successful career as a funeral director. Again, understanding that, as you've mentioned, it may be different in different parts of the country. But what are really those key aspects as far as skills, personality that are going to allow you to be successful? You know, the skills that really, really, really are important for anyone getting in the funeral profession are what we term soft skills. Mm -hmm. Those are going to be things like listening, communicating, being able to communicate ideas and thoughts and plans, and then basic things like courtesy, kindness, honesty, integrity. We become Baileys of property. People bring in jewelry and things. And so we have to protect that and protect them. And then, of course, you have some of the basic skills like being able to lift, you know, being able to do the job. I would say the most important skills are really just those relating to caring and communicating with people. Right. You touched on this a little bit as far as what your initial interest was in this profession. But what are some other aspects that you say you absolutely love about your career? Maybe things you've learned as you've gone along in your profession. You know, the thing that truly that I guess uh, keeps me going because Mm -hmm. you do have those days, you wonder, why am I doing this? Sure. There is no substitute when you do a good job for a family and you have helped them through their grieving process. You're helping them with closure for them to come back and just give you a hug, to give you a thank you note and say, couldn't have done it without you. For me and for most funeral directors, that's the thing that keeps us going is just a thank you. I would really say that's that's the thing that that's the thing that truly, truly, truly is a driving force for most of the people in the profession. And I don't know if that truly answers your question, but I think that's really the the key element for most funeral directors. No, I definitely think it does. I think as you mentioned before you answered that something that definitely keeps you going and reminds you of why you got into this. I think that is important for everybody here whether it is something that you're actually doing within the job, or as you said here, it's, it's kind of the response that you get from the family, knowing that you helped them through this time. Exactly. On the flip side, uh, how about some challenges or areas in the career, the profession that you don't necessarily like? Maybe you'd like to see change. What would you point to for individuals who, again, we want to give them the well-rounded view of, hey, 
You may love it for this reason. You may hate it for this reason. What would you point to? The two overwhelming things I would point to, if you're looking for a get-rich profession, this is not for you. Hmm. If you're looking for easy work, short hours, this is not for you. This is a very demanding job. Death is not on a clock. It happens 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. That includes holidays, Christmas, all of those. So when everyone else might be sitting around the tree, your phone rings and a family needs you and you get up and leave your family to go. Or you get up out of a warm bed at two o'clock in the morning to go. And unfortunately, that's just part of our profession and what we, we have to do. So that is a major downside. Our scheduling, although it is shared among all the staff, you do take your share of uh, those nights and weekends and holidays and things like that. Sure. As far as the pay, which we might touch on later, it is a fair pay, but certainly if you're just looking at monetary aspects, there's a lot of other things you could do to make a lot more money than probably a funeral director. But what I will say is, I guess a positive related to that, is if you're good at what you do and you're attentive to details and you truly care about people, you will always have a job. Right. So when others are being laid off, others are being fired, the plants are closing, your sustainability of your job is very high. So that's a positive. Yeah, that is interesting. Of course, people might hear that and, and think there's some kind of harshness to it, but it is just a reality. As, as you said, I mean, unfortunately, death is a certainty. So the positions will be there. So if you're looking for that stabilization, it definitely is an option. As we talked a little bit about what happens to the day-to-day and some of the skills that are necessary, let's get into the education piece for those that could be interested in looking at this as a possible profession. What sort of education are we looking at, types of degrees? Where do they start as far as looking into this career? And that really is the great question. Again, every state is different. So it depends on your state Mm -hmm. where you want to initially become licensed. And then you can, through reciprocity, move to other states once you get that, that initial licensure. As a general rule across the United States, the minimum is an associate's degree. It's an associate's degree in funeral service education. There are roughly 58 schools around the United States who are accredited by the American Board of Funeral Service Education. And these schools are the ones who you would go to to get your education. Now, there are a few states in the United States that do require a bachelor's degree. Hmm. So there are a few schools who will allow that as well. And then again, it really depends on what you want to do. Some states, for example, like Georgia, you have to be an embalmer before you can be a funeral director. But in Alabama, you can be a funeral director or an embalmer, and there are different requirements. Sure. So every state, you just need to check with your state. Some schools, in order for you to get into school, will require you to have a job in a funeral home before they'll accept you in the program. Other schools will take you at whatever your station in life is and take you from there But upon graduation, then you have to find an internship and a job. And sometimes that can be difficult. And that was going to be my next question as far as an internship or how that works. Obviously, in most professions, it's highly encouraged and often required to make sure you have that internship. Same way in uh, this field? Yes. Most states require, whether it's termed an apprenticeship or an internship, there's going to be some learning period that you have to practice under a licensed professional. And that, again, that can vary. For example, Alabama is two years. Other states may be one year. But yes, there is going to be a learning period where you're going to have to secure a job. And that's really going to be the key where your interviewing skills come in, your personality comes in of you securing that apprenticeship or internship. Since you brought that up, let's talk about applying for a job and and maybe even in an interview. 
How do job seekers out there go about putting their name out there? Are there certain areas they can look specifically? How do you start that job process in your field? I think the most important thing is most everyone has a funeral home their family has used before. Hmm. And I would certainly start there, Sure. whether it's a grandparent, whether it's an aunt or an uncle or, you know, whatever, whoever that might have been for. And I would say you go to them and just start there and talk to them, find out what's this job about? How do I do this? And then from that point, you can spread. You can kind of look at where would I want to live? Where would I want to work? Work with your mortuary school. Also, every state has a state funeral directors association. And of course, there's national associations like the National Funeral Directors Association, and you can work with them. They have job placement, not necessarily putting you in a job, but they have openings where they're listed for you so you can find those. But a lot lot of your job is first impression, what are your skill sets, and just putting yourself out there of being able to go and meet funeral directors and what I'll call the ask, can you hire me? Can I work here? That's a big part. So with that interview, and you touched on this a little bit earlier and just talking about the job itself, a lot of it is going to focus on that personability and soft skills, I assume? Right. Yes, very much so. I would say that when having been a manager, what I looked for is someone who would come in and look me in the eyes, firm handshake, the soft skills, able to communicate. Because again, when I'm looking at you, knowing that 85% of our time is spent with people, I'm looking at you to say, would you be a good representation of our business? Do you have the skills to be able to talk to people and communicate? You know, do you have a kind spirit? Those type of things. Do you have a service heart? Mm-hmm. Those are very, very important to many funeral directors. You alluded to this a little bit earlier. I just wanted to get maybe a little bit more detail on the idea of compensation. Of course, those listening are always going to be curious what exactly they could be looking at. And again, understanding it's going to very much depend on what exactly your role is. What can you give us maybe as a ballpark for what a salary might be like and what factors could increase that over time potentially? Again, by state, by job, by type of business, corporation, independent. But I would say for someone who is an apprentice who's just starting in the business, depending on your area, it could be twenty to 35000 possibly. Mm-hmm. Once you're licensed, fully licensed, and you can do all the work on your own, I would say, depending again on regionality, you could be looking at thirty to sixty thousand. Okay, and then things that will help you as you move forward, as you add management skills and you take more responsibility. Certainly, there's more money that comes along with that. Ownership in the business, owners certainly would make the profitability at the end of the year that employees do not. And again, regionality. So, if you're in New York City, the cost of living is much higher than would be possibly in another area of the country. So. Right. The pay could be much higher there as well. But I, I would say a good range for someone who's finished with school, I would say thirty to 60000 And we do appreciate you mentioning that, of course, it's going to depend on not only what exactly your job is, but where you live and work. And uh, hopefully our listeners do understand that aspect. Of course, they can find out that information online as well in some of the areas that you mentioned that they could look for help. We're starting to get low on time and certainly don't want to make light of any situations. But there are questions people have when you potentially have a role like this. One question that comes up often is the idea of the dressing and the makeup of the deceased individual, if that is how they are presenting them. Where does that fall as far as the responsibility? Is that a skill that you may need to have or learn as a funeral director? What can you fill us in on regarding that? Yes. For for those families who do select any type of visitation, viewing, or embalming, that is a key component. And that's one of the skills that you will learn at your mortuary school. 
Okay. That's something that's taught there. Hmm. And in addition to that, it's also taught hands-on in the place where you do your apprenticeship and internship. The key component is you have the mortuary school partnering with a practitioner who's going to be teaching you. And uh, so that is a skill that you will learn, certainly. How about, are there any odd things, strange things that have happened to you or, or that could happen as far as, again, with the body being there, noises, movement, does that kind of stuff happen? Has it ever happened to you? No, mo- most of the things you hear related to that, honestly, are wives' tales. Okay. They're, just, they're, they're really fictitious. It's a very clean surgical process, honestly, just like any type of minor surgery. So no, no nothing really like that. The, the biggest deal would be the causes and manners of death. You, sure. you do see some very traumatic injuries due to automobile accidents and things like that. But no, no it's a very professional and surgical environment. So no. Well, and, and see, and that's good why we have this conversation, because as you said, that can be a, a lot of myths, myths out there, and there can be a lot of things that are just inaccurate. So uh, that's why we do these shows, to hopefully clear up some of that as well. As we look to wrap up here, obviously, it's something you have a passion for and you enjoy. What would you offer up to those listening as far as a final piece of advice? If they're interested in this profession, if they are thinking about it further, what would you give them as a final takeaway? I think the final takeaway that I'm seeing from students and seeing from people in the field, just remember that there is an image that many funeral directors are looking for. If you have tattoos or piercings, that's fine. They're not going to totally exclude you because of that. However, there is an image that most funeral directors and the general public are looking for. So be very careful what type of piercings, large gauges and ears, things, tattoos that can't be covered for funeral services. Mm -hmm. Those can exclude people from finding jobs. Sure. Also be very careful on social media because employers do look at what you say and your ideas about death and things like that. And that can exclude people as well from securing gainful employment in the profession as well. Definitely some good tips there. Jason, we appreciate you coming on and sharing some of the inside information about this unique profession. So thanks again. Tim, thank you for your time. And that will wrap things up here on this edition of I Want to Be A. Again, we are speaking with Jayzik Innes. He is the funeral director for Carr Funeral Home in Alabama and an instructor in the Mortuary Science Program at Jefferson State College. We appreciate him coming on and sharing some of that inside knowledge today. If you want to give us some feedback on this show or any of our podcasts on LJN Radio, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.